Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. My name's Imran, TJ Sutherland, Dan Colacott, with new episodes released on the first and third Mondays of the month. Catch Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast at foreverinelectricdreams.com. How's it going, everybody? TJ Sutherland here on the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. As always, our new shows go live on the first and third Monday of every month, and you can find all of our previous shows on our website, which is foreverinelectricdreams.com. You can also follow us on our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and OnlyFans account. Uh, No, we haven't got an OnlyFans account. (laughs) Uh, All under Forever in Electric Dreams. Um, So for today's uh, triple threat, I'm joined by my regular co-hosts, Imran the shipman, sorry, wait, typo. <laughs> Imran the hitman, Mirza. Oh, gosh. Oh, you've been complimentary with your intros up to that one. Hi, hello, I'm the shipman, hello. <laughs> and that was a typo, I swear. Um, it was supposed to be Imran the hitman, it's fine. Um, I was paying homage to, to, your, to your boy, Bret Hart. Thank you very um, much. Hang on, hang on, does that not mean he's in the Sharp Foundation? Oh God! <laughs> and also, uh, we are joined by the the styling, the profiling, limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, son of a gun, Dan Nature Boy Colocott. Are you serious? Woo! You got <laughs> that. I was so hoping you were going to hit the move there. <laughs> that's that's the best intro I've had ever. Yeah, we can start this again. This is the uh, worst I had. <laughs> Don't worry, next time I'll switch it around and okay. you'll get all the props and Dan will get shouted. Um, <laughs> right, so uh, in case you hadn't noticed for this week's episode, we're going to be branching out into the world of professional wrestling, which we haven't done for quite quite a while, actually. Mm. Um, yeah, we're going to be uh, giving our thoughts on a couple of episodes of um, TV show The Dark Side of the Ring, which um, is a documentary expose type series uh on which airs on vice i think um the vice even a tv show a tv station yeah is it it in, is. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they've, they've got internet and and their own tv channel i believe oh, okay cool um so yeah um it's a documentary series which is on vice uh it's been airing since uh 2019 it's had three scenes so far and covers um wide variety of topics exposés of pretty much literally the darker side of the pro wrestling industry. Um, and uh, yeah, so unfortunately some of the episodes can be quite dark and uh, foreboding, but I mean, you know, it's not called dark, dark side of the ring for no, for no reason. Um, so we're going to cover two episodes actually, which uh, all three of us watched. Um, and the first episode, well, I watched, so we're going to go with that, um, was entitled The Assassination of Dino Bravo. Um, this episode, it covers the story of the WWF back in the day, as it was, uh, superstar Dino Bravo, who was active on the roster around kind of the late eighties, early nineties. He'd been active before then, uh, before he joined WWF, but, um, that was when he was active there. And, um, covered his career for a little bit and also his involvement in organized crime and uh, his subsequent murder after he left WWF, uh, supposedly at the hands of the mafia or maybe a biker gang or Native Americans, depending on 
uh, which story you want to believe. Um, but the case is still open and they haven't found the culprits. So it, who knows who it could have been. So, um, yeah. Sorry, Imran, you're going to chime Is Native in? Americans, were they a legitimate contender for the... Well, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah they definitely were. Definitely. Yeah, that, that was one that caught, caught me by surprise because I, I, um, yeah, because the people that he was getting, so basically he dealt in going a little bit into more into his story. He was dealing in um, contraband, tobacco smuggling, and uh, alcohol. Did he do alcohol? Oh no, it was just it was just cigarettes. Cigarettes. I it was wasn't cigarettes. It? And yeah, then, yeah, there was it the, went the, a bit. Further than just cigarettes later on. Well, yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, he did. Was it cocaine? So was cigarettes, yeah. Proposition of, yeah. Exactly. But yeah, so he was get his supplier for the contraband cigarettes were, um, it was made on um, reservations, Native American land. Um, and oh, there was, wow. uh, there, yeah, so there was the whole thing with the, with the, um, the deal that went sour and they lost like 400 grand's yeah. worth of stuff because of the bust. And it would have been them that was out of pocket. So, there's a suspicion that they may have possibly been involved in, in uh, in his fuck up, his basically. Death. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, so but the shit, the shipment um, of money and cigarettes was for them, and yeah, exactly. He, him, him, and someone else can't remember the name of the guy, but they basically lost it. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's quite a bit to kind of cover off. But um, what's your kind of general thoughts? Imran about the episode, you know, any big surprises, any sort of key moments that kind of hit you for six or anything um, that you thought was funny? Yeah. But, this, <laughs> well, uh, I think this is probably one of the wildest wrestling stories that I've ever, or excuse me, one of the wildest wrestling sort of tragedies that I, I, I think mm. that I've, I've ever heard of. I mean, a lot of them tend to revolve around, say, vices, uh, that, are gen- that are generated from wrestling or incidents mm. that revolve around wrestling, like the Montreal situation that we're going to discuss later. But, you know, when you look at how Dino's, how Dino Bravo's life came to an end, it's, it's worlds away from him as a, yeah. a wrestler. It's, it's a really, it's a, it's a very, very sad story. I mean, I remember Dino Bravo. I remember watching him in the WWF back then. I remember him teaming with earthquake and, I had no idea uh, that the like the career he had had before then, and like what a mm-hmm. a hero he was for Montreal. I thought that was fascinating, and you know we we see this now as um, as fans watching guys at the top of say NXT making a transition to the main roster, or you know whereas they're the top, you know, and then you walk into a new environment uh, for Dino Bravo. Obviously, it was the WWF. And he's like, what do you mean I'm not the top guy? What do you mean I'm here to put people over? What do you, what do you mean you want me to dye my hair blonde? And uh, it, it's, it, it was, you know, what a, and it, this is clearly a very proud person seeing as he booked himself as the champion for, was it four years or something? Yeah. Um, he built, you know, the, the whole thing around him. So what an incredible uh, a blow it must have been for him, you know, to be in WWF and not be the star attraction and almost, you know, be nowhere sort of near that position. So, um, also to I, be I, in the promotion that, it's also to be in the promotion that essentially put his promotion yes, out of business. Of yeah. yeah, and to sign there again—that's your—that's the first knock, isn't it? You got them yeah. taking your 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 
your roster and you're begging guys not to leave because of what it's going to do to you, then you have to sign with them. Then you have mm. to be put it where you are in the card when you feel you should be on the top, you know? So it's, mm. it was a very, you know, it was an incredibly sad story. And I think with, with both of, um, uh, these episodes and a quick shout out to the the only other dark side of the ring episode I saw which is uh, the plane ride from hell but when you or you know looking at those episodes or just looking at like the the itinerary of events with you know what they cover uh, in their episodes it's the most striking thing um, is how different is, is how the business has changed you know you've got yeah. wrestling tragedies that were you know where Dino has had to you know, his career's ended and he's had to go into a life of organized crime. You've got wrestlers whose lives have come to an end or careers have been derailed due to uh, booze, uh, cocaine, drugs, pills, alcohol, you know. And now the biggest concern for wrestlers in that regard, in their safety, is Instagram and getting their cloud hacked. You know, it's like an entirely different era of wrestling now, isn't it? In terms of the things yeah. that they're kind of, that, that, you know, those vices don't necessarily seem... To, to impact their lives in, in the way that they did, uh, say, 30 uh, years ago, which is an incredible kind of observation. They're, they're, more, they're more afraid of Vince randomly firing them. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. But, I mean, in terms of their personal health and safety, um, you know, it's just, it's. I remember Chris Jericho, he had been away from the WWF for a while. And when he had, came, when he had come back, I remember him saying on his podcast once that he goes, it was so different because Jericho, you know, he was a notable what's the right like he would love to drink he'd love to go out after shows and he would, would do that yeah. with with his friends and he i remember him saying he came back after several years and he just said it just wasn't a culture anymore nobody mm. wanted to go out <laughs> nobody drank yeah. all night in there you know hitting bars all night long and he goes because no one did it anymore and that was probably Everyone's about 15 professional. years ago yeah yeah. yeah everyone's you know looking at their 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 diets and health and you know yeah. uh, things like that so how the, you know the business has changed for wrestlers as well it's just so vastly different now which is amazing and i think as well like we mentioned it off um off mic but you know i think all of these episodes you know they again like you say they cover a, a wide range of topics and a lot of the time it's around you know how the 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 um the business has you know, created people that have been addicted to things or been badly injured or, you know, whatever kind of crazy situation that this crazy business has, has turned people into. And, and a lot of it, I think, is being done as a bit of a cautionary tale because I, I mentioned, um, I think, season two and season three all produced by Jericho. And, I you know, I feel like, you know, he's, the whole thing's being done as a bit of a, look, this is how, bad things can get if you don't learn how to talk to people and you don't open up to your friends or you don't have the support or you don't look after your money or you know whatever it is so you know I get the impression that a lot of these are a bit of a bit of a cautionary so about you Dan any um any lingering thoughts from the uh from the episode well this one's really interesting because I didn't know anything about it um I started watching WWF probably in about 87 but even then that was through videotapes because I didn't have I don't even know if it was B Sky B then it was probably something that was yeah what preceded B Sky B so I didn't have access so when I first started watching um, wrestling on 
B Sky B. I remember, and that, that must have been 89, 90. I remember Dino Bravo was, he was this tank of a character. He was built so like, you know, like a brick outhouse, but he was not, I wouldn't say he was completely a jobber, but he, he was mid, mid card, this, mid card. Yeah, I mean, it was it was not even yeah. And you know, you ever saw him as a top guy, basically? Yeah, and it was it was really odd because I didn't know the the, I didn't know the history of was it Impact Wrestling that he kind of he almost ran in 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 Canada. I didn't know, you know, Mm. how big that promotion was and how many of the stars. You know, had Andre the Giant, didn't it? I think. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Had some incredible. Stars and like Rick Martel, Rougeau Brothers, or basically any any French Canadian wrestler went through that promotion at one point or another. Exactly, and and I think I, I remember there was a, apart from I think um, uh, you know Brett the Hitman Hart and the Hart family kind of changed this a little bit, a little bit. But um, most of the time, anyone who was French Canadian was portrayed as uh, a, a kind of evil foreign heel and and obviously when they made him yeah. uh, when they made Dino Bravo dye his hair blonde and and depict this kind of angry French Canadian it was yeah you, back then you, you didn't really he was he was just this this guy and he was jobbing and I never understood why he was jobbing but you also had Haku, who we know from a lot of different uh, anecdotes about how ridiculously lethal that, that how hard, yeah. how violently yep. lethal that guy was. Yet he, I, I remember he he was jobbing as well because there was yeah. only there was probably only about three or four really big um, stars at, at the top uh, doing yeah. all the the main eventing. So it was, it was, you know, my, my earliest memory of him was the fact I couldn't understand how how easily he was beaten because he was legit, you know, a tank. <laughs> he just looked like he would murder you on the spot. He was. It's like him. He he kind of had the similar physique. I, I know um, uh, British Bulldog kind of had more, maybe more steroidal enhancement, uh, but they 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 were built. <laughs> they were built in a kind of similar way. So mm. yeah, I just kind of remember him being this sort of, you know, this this awful kind of French Canadian here. I remember him jobbing. And then yeah, that episode finding out that his I think it was his uncle was in the Italian Canadian mafia. Mafia. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then this whole really elab as Imran says, it's just this incredible backstory that is so far removed from wrestling about his, you know, he, well, there was, that, there was a whole bit, about, I was going to say, there was the whole bit about, I think, was it the, the guy that was in the mafia was also an ex wrestler? Yeah. Yeah. He was. And then, yeah. And then, so that's kind of where that connection kind of came up. And then, you know, used to go and see them and stuff like that. Like all of that was just like, Wow, this is it's not, well, then, not surprising that this guy ended up where he did, but it's well, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, the, the, I guess they, they were family, and he yeah. he started off as like almost like hired muscle, but I, yeah. I think 
the the interesting thing about it and this is one of the things where i mean back then wrestlers didn't get paid as much i know i know that the very top the very cream of the card uh did get paid well but i think mm. you you could be on the mid card you could be on the lower card you could be you know in the developmental area and, and barely have enough money for rent so but but I think the thing that I kind of focused on that was interesting is, is as soon as his wrestling career ended, he didn't really have anything else because I guess, yeah. you know, at that time, you know, he's not, he wasn't quite a big enough star to get through, uh, to get any kind of other work. I mean, I, I don't think the transition to from from wrestling to the film industry and the TV industry is is what yeah, it, it is was, now. I know. Yeah, it's not I mean, like, it wasn't wasn't as big a thing as it is now, and also much less like self uh, entrepreneurial. Like you know, you know, a lot of guys go into podcasting or you know, or, or all other things that you can kind of do off your own back. Like back then, it was like you're either a wrestler or you're not. Yeah, or you're, or you're working for the mob. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just insane what he got himself caught up with. I mean, I didn't. I didn't even know. I mean, I know cigarettes have always been expensive. I mean, they're, they're about thirty pounds a packet now. But back then, I didn't know that contraband uh, cigarette smuggling was was such a such a thing. Yeah, such a thing. Um, and yeah, and and the fact that. Um, the the other implication which I found interesting was, I don't know, well the, the show kind of picked at it. They didn't didn't go into it too much, but they they seem to be suggesting that the reason the uh, it's an open, uh, what's the word? It's, it's like a cold case. It's still, still an open case. Yeah. Yeah, is because the the um, Canadian police was it the Quebec police? I don't know more specifically are meant to be heavily in the pocket of oh, the yeah. Canadian-Italian mafia, and uh, it was incredibly... So it's not corrupt. in their interests, yeah. Yeah, which... But yeah, yeah, Eman, you're completely right. I mean, this every, every other kind of um, episode from that show, or every, every time you kind of... You look into the demise... I hate to say this, but the, there's, there's, there's so many... Uh, wrestlers from that generation, uh, mm. from from the eighties and nineties, who literally, you know, they 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 died in their forties, fifties, sixties because of their uh, lifestyles and how their their kind of the end of their career and and their lifestyle was unsustainable, and then they've you know they've died of various kind of reasons and health problems. But but this one, yeah, being being killed by mafia hitman over a, a possible i don't know bungle deal or something else that went down we don't really mm. know is is just incredible yeah so it was a real eye opener yeah i mean there's a lot of like you say i was kind of thinking about it and like obviously you've got this big cuz at the time he you know he was still like a well-known tv personality famous wrestler kind of thing kind of trying to go into that world. I mean, even if you've got, you know, a few contacts here or there or whatever, even still, like, I do wonder how much of, like, the life, the lifelong mafioso people 
had actually really taken to him or accepted him as part of their world. And, you know, you know, people get, I'm sure people got killed for less by the mafia, but the fact that, you know, he was such a high profile person, did they really want him to be part of that world? Because to me, if you're going to be doing stuff for the mafia or whatever, you want to be keeping quite a low profile, right? Rather than, you know, yeah, you're not going to want to get, you know, you're not going to get the rock like doing your, um, yeah, that was the weirdest being part. Your, being your enforcer his, or something like that. His wife, when she <laughs> said that she uh, that he had become like a a debt collector, but in the bad sense where he would basically go and beat people yeah. up, you know, and it was kind of like. I kind of thought, well, hang on, they, they, he's going to turn up and they're going to be like, oh, you're Dino Bravo. Hey, Dino Bravo. And they'll be like, be like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, yeah, you are. You're, you're Dino Bravo. But I suppose if anything, I've, if, if I've seen anything or if I've learned anything from Mafia movies, uh, you know, during my, my years of watching them, then none of it's secret. You know who you owe and you know you can't tell, you know, you can't go to freely just go to the police and say Mafia are after me. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, in a way, exactly. notoriety probably wasn't really required. Um, yeah. Or, yeah. So I don't know. But didn't, but didn't they say? I mean, the, the way they they talked about it was, I didn't get, I didn't get the sense that you know, once he'd finished wrestling, that he had that level of celebrity. It was more, it was more the fact that for some reason the Indians on the reservation loved him, so his celebrity seemed to be there, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah, because they were big wrestling fans. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I think I think you know if you saw if you saw him maybe without his uh, big blonde mm-hmm. hair you probably mm. might, might maybe not recognise him because he he hasn't got that distinguished. Just uh, thought he was a big dude. Yeah, a look. I think I don't know. Maybe that's unfair, but yeah. I mean, like you guys, I, I was you know the, the fascinating side of it was finding out because you know again like you guys, I I know Dino Bravo from you know eighties wrestling. Pretty much mid carder, you know, never really a top guy. I don't even know if he ever held a title. He might have done. I'm not, I'm not sure, but um, you know, it wasn't really a, a. He was a name, but it wasn't like you know anyone that was on anyone's posters in their bedrooms or anything like that. Mm. But like to learn that he was such a big deal in you know in Canada and ran his own promotion, ran a really successful promotion by the sounds of it. Had loads of big names come through that promotion. Um. And then to kind of, you know, as Imran said, be brought low um, by the very promotion that came and, you know, stole most of your guys and ran you out of town. That, you know, that must have been super sad. And then to be, but then he was offered a lot of money. So, um, you know, cannot blame him at all for for taking it. But, you know, his bad decisions in terms of the excess spending and stuff like that, uh, like you say, in today's world, a lot of these guys are now, most of these guys now are investing their money well, putting their money away, worrying about, you know, what comes after wrestling, diversifying what they do, as opposed to just going, I'm a wrestler and I'm just going to spend all my money and whatever happens next happens. Um, yeah, so that mentality's definitely changed a lot. I think, like, for me, it was a really good episode in in terms of, like, the the variety of people they had interviewed on there. They had, like, you know, private investigators, ex-cops, his family was on there as well. Like his wife and his daughter were on there. That was super powerful. Yeah, yeah. Kind of hear, hearing, hearing from his daughter in particular. Um, that was, um, yeah, that yeah, was really, really powerful. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like you say, uh, 
definitely a fascinating, fascinating insight into, you know, not necessarily well-known character in the broad in the broad scheme of things, but also, but definitely an abject lesson in how um, how quickly things can shift um, when you're in a position of making a lot of money, but you don't diversify and plan for your future. So, yeah. well, he he also just to come up with some stats, um, he he won the WWWF World Tag. What? What? Yeah, three W's. <laughs> trying, trying to throw uh, another W in. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, don't I did, know actually what... was that. Was that before they were WWF? Because uh, I think that's. I think that's what WWF was before it was WW. I think it was. <laughs> yeah, it was the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. <laughs> was that? Is that a joke? I or? Think that will do. No, no, I think that's what, that is what it oh, was. Oh, I thought it was like a worldwide web gag. Sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> no that's, yeah, that, that, that's backslash. That's legit, isn't it? Yeah. But but I think the yeah. funniest thing is um, when to, to get him to sign, I think Vince gave him a fair fair old uh, lump of money, kind of a good offer, mm. and they actually they they were quite um, they were quite hot on him because. This is the bit that I'm. I'm I, I didn't see this because I wasn't watching wrestling at this time. But but in, in the first, I think in the first couple of years, he 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 did actually get over as one of the the main guys. Uh, they gave him there was a <laughs> there was a WWF Canadian Championship, and and I believe he was the only guy that ever held it. <laughs> And then, oh wow! <laughs> yeah, was that like, was that like Ted DiBiase? You just invent a belt for it. <laughs> it, it pretty much, um, but they got rid of it in '86. So that's why I think by the time, because we were all roughly the same kind of generation, I think by the time uh, the three of us started watching WWF, he mm. he had reverted to you know mid card and lower card and he was no longer one of the main guys because right. yeah you know at the start he had um oh what's he called mouth of the uh, mouth of the south jimmy yeah, hart jimmy hart was in him yeah yeah was, was, wasn't well, he with I, him the whole wasn't he with him the whole time he was there oh, oh, no he had someone else didn't he towards the end sorry yeah he had some guy with a monocle as well but yeah um, i don't know who it was yeah. No, no, me neither. But, but yeah, I, I didn't. It was only when I watched that um, episode that I realised that he had Jimmy Hart at his side. I, I don't remember that at all because that's usually uh, a sign. If if they put you with Jimmy Hart, they, they, you know, they back, they back you. They, they want yeah. you to be. Uh, I think part of that was wasn't part of that because Vince was worried about people not understanding because he wasn't. English wasn't his first language, right? So, yeah. so he's sticking yeah. with sticking with someone like Jimmy Hart and try and try and get him over that way. I do remember him being with Jimmy Hart, though. I didn't re- remember the second guy he was with because he saw it in some of the footage that they showed. So I wasn't yeah. quite sure who I that was. No I, I have no idea. I have no idea what that guy's because this was also because um, wasn't the if I get this right, the Rougeau brothers became. Did they become the Mounties and then one of them? No, became... Jacques Rougeau did. Yeah, Jacques Rougeau, Rougeau became... was his brother. Ray, uh, I think, probably retired, uh, or yeah. Jacques just got a solo promotion. But Jacques yeah. became Jacques uh, the, Mountie. He, the Mountie. He he initially yeah. teamed. There was a, a 
uh, he teamed with what were they called? Were they called the Mounties. He he had a partner who became. Do you remember? Is it Jean Pierre Lef- Lefitte? He was the pirate. Oh, yes. So they, yeah. there was a Mounties tag team, but it was oh, Jacques Rougeau good. with someone I, no, else. Well, weren't, they, weren't they called the Quebecers? They were. Yeah, I think they were. That's right. Not that yeah, they, I, think, I yes. knew they weren't the Mounties. Well, yeah. I can't think what was first. I think the Mountie was first, and then he got into a tag team with the Quebecers. I think the Mountie it was Rougeau's Mountie, then the Quebecers. I think, I think. But um, yeah, so his partner in the Quebecers uh, became the the pirate. Um Ooh. <laughs> I've got Jean-Pierre Lafitte in my head, but I don't know if that's, if that's yeah, like completely that off. Right, actually. I do um, not yeah, remember his... a French guy or French-Canadian guy called the Pirate. He, was a, he wasn't necessarily called the Pirate, but he was a pirate and he would steal stuff, yeah. Repo Man style. <laughs> uh, oh, it, yeah. wasn't as ba- it wasn't as bad as I'm making it sound. I'm making it sound like he came <laughs> to the ring with a peg leg and a parrot. It wasn't like that at all. Um, but that's it was his gimmick. That he stole Bret Hart's jacket. And that was the, the basis of their program once. Excellent. Wow. Excellent. What a good reason to start a... Uh, Speaking a of Jacques Rougeau, he was definitely a highlight for me in, um, on that episode. Um, yeah, he was, I thought he was really good. Um, gave, gave some interesting insight from someone who was like, it wasn't a friend of his, but also had known him for a very long time. So he had, it was, his opinions and, and thoughts were very kind of, uh, yeah, unbiased yeah. or yeah, it was it was he was. I found him really interesting. The fact that he reached to. out to him at the end was really mm. interesting because even Jacques mm. said we weren't close. We hadn't had contact for ages. I don't. It know was what obviously he somebody respected. Yeah, 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 I guess so. That was that was really kind of um, intriguing as to what you know. Obviously, you, you know when things like that, you talk to the person close to you. So like for him, it was Rick Martel, who apparently mm. knew quite a lot. But again, that Jacques Rougeau thing was really. Yeah, it was very intriguing as to why he wanted to reach out to him. And I do feel like, you know, getting onto the actual incident itself, I do feel like from everything they said there, I mean, to me, it feels like it was someone that he knew because, or he knew it was coming and was ready to take it because, you know, the, the door wasn't locked and whoever it was, it was someone that kind of just walked in and did whatever. So, yeah, it doesn't feel like it was like anything that he wasn't necessarily prepared for. I don't know. Well, he, he was sat in his armchair watching TV. Wasn't watching he? TV. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, there's part of me that just feels like maybe he just kind of like the, cause they, you had, you'd had, you know, the bad, the, the big deal that had gone badly wrong. He did, he pissed off a lot of people, um, you know, and just kind of the almost relaxed, setting in which he was you know it wasn't it wasn't a drive-by or it wasn't like you know really messy thing it was just like well obviously it was messy in his house but like it was it just feels like it was he knew he'd fucked up and he knew he was probably gonna get something for it and yeah and all over 30k i mean it's quite sad, isn't it? Yeah. Well, well, there was there was there was the thirty k, but then there was also the four hundred grand um, thing, wasn't there? Where they'd seized the guy he was doing the deal with, the contraband, and like, or, or a four hundred grand deal had been messed up or something like that. Um, so I don't think that was the only thing. But I mean, going back to what I said earlier, you know, if if they were looking for a reason to take him out because he wasn't, he wasn't. Um, accepted in 
the kind of inner circle of of that section of the mafia. You know, maybe they were just like, let's get rid of this guy. He's drawing too much attention to our dealings. Could be. Could be he was more popular than than some of the head guys. Yeah, maybe. Didn't like it. Scheming to, fixing to take over. Um, Cool. All right. So any final thoughts? Like, did you enjoy it? Was it, you know, give it a rating out of 10, actually. So let's go for ratings. Let's get a, uh, Dan. You rated it out of ten. Oh, I mean nine. I I thought it was, yeah, yeah just such a. I mean, they had such a a, a fantastic array of uh, different people providing kind of insight and commentary, as well as his family, which I was as you know, same as him. Man, I was really surprised that they had his family mm. um, giving some really kind of touching anecdotes. But um, yeah, no, I thought it was. I thought it was excellent. Nice. About you, man? Yeah, much the same. It's always difficult, like, or, you know, you're to sort of sit down and know you're watching like a documentary about someone's complete downfall or demise. Mm. It's, you know, it's always a sort of difficult yeah, right much. at the outset, isn't it? But um, mm. yeah, I, I thought it was, it gave great insight to who he was and, um, uh, you know, the, the family. Yeah, absolutely. As Dan said, I mean, that, yeah, the daughter, I guess, in particular, just really rips you up, doesn't it? And um, yeah, yeah, really, really sad. Uh, and it's yeah, it's just sort of it's a lot of it rings true, I guess. And today, when you get these guys who, it's it's always a, a very difficult pill to swallow when you, um, you know, you you think you you're you're on one level, but you're, you know, you're kind of put somewhere else, and it's got to be soul mm. destroying. And uh, it's just such a shame it kind of went the way it did. And um, but sure. yeah, I, I I get yeah, I completely agree with Dan. It was a it was yeah, great, uh, re- really insightful and not sensationalist in any way. Um, mm. I didn't really find that about this series. I, I think that was one of the concerns I had about Dark Side of the Ring. Really, that it was quite a it sensationalizes anything. Yeah, and just sort of mm. you know almost relishes these these kind of mm. moments. But no, I they, I thought there was a lot of sensitivity to it. So yeah, I applaud it. Yeah. No. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. Same. I. You know. I think. Um. They. They seem to handle. And I think. Again, because. You know, there's a lot of current and ex wrestlers probably um, involved in the development or the production of the show. It handles a lot of the stuff very sensitively and doesn't sensationalize, doesn't trivialize things too much. Um. But yeah. No. Yeah. It's good. Good stuff. Good watch. Yeah. Um, right. So on to lighter things, I guess. Um, oh. depending, depending on your viewpoint, yeah. I don't know, Imran's about to kick off. So let me just do a quick rundown of very uh, calm. the next episode <laughs> we watched, <laughs> the next episode we watched, um, was entitled the Montreal Screwjob, um, which, uh, Wikipedia tells me was an infamous <laughs> and controversial unscripted professional wrestling incident that occurred on November the 9th, 1997 at the Survivor Series pay-per-view, uh, uh, in which the WWE owner, Vince McMahon, and, uh, WWE employees covertly manipulated the predetermined outcome of the match between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. The manipulation occurred without Hart's knowledge and resulted in Hart, the reigning WWF champion, losing the title to Michaels in his last WWF match before departing for rival promotion World Championship Wrestling. Um, so, thoughts? I'm going to start with Dan, because I know Imran's 
I can I can feel him seething through, <laughs> through my headphones. So you, so you have to see the little bit longer. Dan, thoughts, Montreal Screwjob. Did this episode enlighten you in anything you weren't? Because if you are a follower of wrestling uh, for as long as us three have been, um, you would have either seen the Montreal Screwjob when it actually happened, heard about it, watched documentaries on it, heard the rumours, all the rest of it. So, Dan, have, were you enlightened about anything in this episode or was it all oh, oh, massively, pretty much yeah. what you expected? Okay. Well, so, yeah, I, so thoughts. Well, I think, because um, I really want to give uh, Imran the floor on this one. I don't want to talk too much. <laughs> this episode is going to be two hours long. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to try and be brief. But I think... At, at, at the time, uh, um, when it happened and, and kind of after it happened, it was it 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 kind of took a, it didn't take that long before people then decried it as a work, and I think yeah. I'd almost got to the point that I was like, okay, it they, they presented it as something that. That was that was uh, you know planned covertly uh, that they screwed Brett out of the title. It you know the, the... I actually I actually forgot about that. I forgot that people were claiming it was a work until I was watching this and I was like, oh yeah, shit, I forgot. A lot yeah. of people believe or still believe that that the whole thing was a work, but yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that and that was the thing. I I'd got to a point where I don't think I hadn't you know got into the detail as much as I should have, but I'd, I'd sort of thought. Okay, it it was one of the most amazing works in the history of works that they they duped everyone into believing that uh, that Brett was screwed out of the title and and because it gave birth to the you know Mister Mister McMahon evil heel character mm. and and yeah. the way they used the storyline and just. You know, it, I it it, that would have felt a bit too. Yeah, it would have felt a bit too like okay, that it seems too convenient that you've managed to create this brilliant thing out of this incident. Those yeah. two things feel like yeah. It, it was the mileage that they that, that they took out of it, and the fact that mm-hmm. uh, the funniest thing is towards the end, Razor Ramon. Uh, he said it was a work. He said there's no way that uh, you know. Vin, he, he said that. Um, and I'd heard this before that Brett didn't look that shocked, and that everything yeah. that happened after the bell went was completely uh, rehearsed. <laughs> but then the bit I didn't know, obviously, I'm not saying it's a work. I'm not agreeing with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's enough in the episode to suggest that it clearly wasn't. But the funniest thing, and I didn't, I didn't know this. I, I knew that uh, Jim Cornette had always taking credit for coming up with it i didn't i didn't know vince rousseau i knew i know vince rousseau and jim Cornette absolutely fucking hate each other and i know that's been going on a very long time but i didn't know that they both claimed it was their idea Cornette's line Cornette's line at the end of the episode that brutal it was it was horrible (laughs) but i could not stop laughing it's just like he he just said it with such such vitriol and so much detail as well. To he the point, so I was like, means it. He's so means I was like, it. That, like you legit, like this isn't just some <clears throat> like shit that you've just 
despite off the top of it, you've thought about this carefully and rehearsed this. We said he run it past his wife. He was like, my wife knows, my wife knows. You visualize this moment in your head and you will, I I legitimately believe that he will do this if he, if he's able to. No, he he was saying his wife needs to help because if, if he's, so old, he's infirm like he's or something. Infirm yeah. in a wheelchair, he needs his wife to help him get to uh, Vince Russo's graveside to be able to urinate on his grave. <laughs> but yeah, like, so, um, so yeah, I think um, to, just to wrap it up, it was quite eye-opening. I think um, a lot of what I kind of knew already, but the the level of detail, and obviously to have I. I I think I've only ever listened to sound bites from Brett himself about what happened. And mm. um, I hadn't heard uh, a lot of the, the kind of the, the, the testimony from uh, Oh Hebner, the referee, if it's that right. Yeah. I hadn't heard, yeah. I hadn't heard that part before myself actually. And, and obviously um, I'm, I can't, I can only call him brother love. I keep forgetting his. Uh, Bruce, Bruce Richard. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, I'd, I'd I'd seen quotes written down. So to have yeah. all of them, you know, mm. talk through everything along with uh, Cornet and and Russo yeah. and yeah, I think um, that was incredible. But I'm going to stop talking because the longer I talk, the less Imran does. So Imran, over <laughs> to you. <laughs> well, before before you kick off, Imran, one, one thing I would say is that my if I had one gripe um, about the episode because I. I I, I loved it and I thought it was very good. If I had one complaint uh, about it, was that they allowed that Cornet Russo sideshow beef. Mm. Um, they gave that a bit too much time for me, or they yeah. they made the story a bit too much about that. When actually there, there was a, there was enough meat on the bones of the rest of the story without introducing that as another thing. And, and I know it was it's funny and it's it's a bit stupid, but I could have done without so much of that. I would have either had one or the other of them on, I don't know, Cornet probably because, well, actually, <laughs> no, he's, he's, I don't know. They're both as terrible as each other, but yeah, so that, that, that detracts from me a little bit, but, but yeah. All right. So Hitman. No, it's, I Jim. wouldn't be that bad. I, um, <laughs> Jim, um I actually, just, just to, was... to give some context, Imran is a massive Brett, the Hitman heart fan. Um, yeah. So, he's... So yeah, this he's episode would have yeah. touched in deep within his soul. <laughs> I think you want to say bosom <laughs> for some reason. I don't know why, but <laughs> I thought about it. <laughs> um, I actually, I, I have to agree uh, with what Dan said in terms of I didn't know um, <clears throat> that Russo and um, Cornette had both kind of claimed uh, to have been the person t- whose idea it was. I actually didn't know that. I read years ago, I read uh, Shawn Michaels' inverted commas autobiography. It's not, he didn't write a single word to it. He has a writer that he, I guess, just told everything to and the writers has sort of written this. But it was one of the, the WWE authorized biographies that they did following Foley's uh, successful um, one. Um, and he, I, I was really surprised at how much Michaels' book at, uh, sort of attributes to the Montreal incident and everything that went into it. But in Michaels' book, he kind of comes up with the notion that it was his idea. And it was really interesting uh-huh. because he, he kind of says in a way, in a way it doesn't disc- discount any sort of the two versions that we just you know had with mm. Rousseau and Cornette. But he kind of talks about it, that he was in the room and he sort of felt like, 
it was on everyone's mind what the finish was going to be, but no one had the courage to say it. And Michael's is like, that's, I know what they want me to say, but they want me to say it. So he kind of so, says, we so could he, just do so this. He says, so he says he was in a room that, that, so the, the night before when it was Vince, uh, Russo and, um, what's his name? Cornette. Cornette. Because Michael's saying that he was also in the room that night. No, no. Well. I'm, well, this is the thing. Michael's might have been involved in conversations the next day. So it, it, right, like I okay. say, it doesn't discount anything that that, that is right, said okay, in the show yeah. here. But um, yeah. Michael's is kind of, that doesn't, yeah. So they they didn't go to him gotcha. apparently and say, this is gotcha. what we're, we're, we're deciding. They kind of said, well, Sean, what do we do? Hmm, what do we do? And Sean's like, I know what you want me to say. <laughs> no, 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 wink, wink. Yeah, and so he kind of said like it. He said it, and then everyone went, "Well, wow! If you're, if you think that's the best thing, sure, you know." But did he get Jedi mind tricks? <laughs> I think it was almost like that. But this is another thing. Um, this whole incident is another thing about how you know when you look at Dark Side of the Ring about how the business has changed. This would never happen today. You know, Vince was always in control back then, but there's nobody bigger than the promotion now. And there's nobody yeah. who could even attempt to say, I'm not doing it. He'd fire you on the spot. He'd strip you from the title. He'd put a, a tournament on that night. Nobody could say to him, I'm not doing it. Well, that's, well, that, uh, that, the reason why the business is what it is now is because it's partially because of that incident, yeah. isn't it? That's mm. the reason why Vince is so paranoid. Well, that, that whole situation was Vince's paranoia being realized based on things that had happened before because, Remember, just before that, you had the whole Alundra Blaze thing, where she yes. left and rocked up at WCW and threw the, the title in the trash. And that's yeah. the biggest contributing factor, I feel, into making Vince so paranoid that Brett might do something similar. Because obviously they were losing out and ratings yeah, absolutely. and losing the whole, the whole thing. So I've, I feel like if that hadn't happened, I don't think... Brett, um, Vince would have got so paranoid to the point where he would have double-crossed Brett. I yeah, actually genuinely believe that. <clears throat> but I think the point is, like, who in their right mind could have believed that Brett would have done it? That's the thing that kind of, what I imagine is insulting for Brett, and as a fan of him, you know, it's it's there's no logical reason for him to do it. You know, that it's, just, sure. it's just the last yeah. thing that that he would have done. He has too much respect for the company and the business to do something yeah, like that. I, He's It's just the last thing he would have done. 100% but, agree. But mm. again, I think, again, if the, if it hadn't happened to Vince before, yeah. uh, he, he, I'm sure his, you know, the, the, all the stuff that was going on at the time with, you know, WCW killing him in the ratings and, the business slipping and then trying to find a new big star to take it to run but, run you know run sorry, the and... I, I don't think the implication I got from the people they interviewed was I don't think any of them thought that Brett was gonna do that. I think that the problem was they had I think they'd loosely arranged for him to forfeit the belt to actually do like a a kind of goodbye speech, drop the belt and leave and I don't think that sat very well with Vince because you know at the end of the day he's losing one of his top guys um to a promotion that at the time was kicking their ass and I think it was 
an ego thing. I, I just don't think he could accept that. No, I, think I actually don't good. think it was that at all. Um, I, I think it was very much that. I think Vince knew they both couldn't coexist. And I think basically Vince chose Sean. Brett, Brett left not because of the contract. He left because he knew he was being pushed out before he made the decision to leave. Oh gosh, there's so much I want to say. It all incoherent. And I apologize, but um, the the biggest. Mi- okay, so as as was the plan before WrestleMania 12, which was the Iron Man match, uh, where they went uh, 60 well 62 minutes and saw Sean take the title for the first time. The plan that was outlaid at that point was Sean would win that match. WrestleMania 13 would be a rematch, which Brett would win. And then there'd be a third match, likely at SummerSlam of that year, which Sean would win. Sean refused the WrestleMania 13 loss. He didn't want to do it. This was his whole, I'm got, I've lost my smile I and that. I have to relinquish yeah. the title. So he yeah, has already I mean, yeah. reneged on dropping the belt. Um, Sean, I remember vividly him doing this because this is the height of his arrogance he would stand mm. in the ring, and it, I didn't know what it meant at the time. But he would stand in the ring, and send uh, in a pro, you know, cutting a promo on Raw, and say the Heartbreak Kid lays down for absolutely nobody. And I used to think he was saying no one can beat me, but it was him saying I won't let anyone beat me. And promos mm. like that used to piss people off in the back because he's literally saying I'm not going to lie down and be pinned by anyone. He's literally saying that. I'm not going to job for anyone. He is saying that in the middle of the ring. And when opportunity he's, al- he's being allowed to say it. He's been allowed, he's to, being say it allowed well. to say it because he, Vince, yeah. I don't know what the connection was. Vince just loved him. Vince just mm. loved him. So when Brett finally made the decision to leave, he had, well, what instigated it, he, is, he sat down and said, okay, Vince, what's the plan? What are we doing? And this is in Brett's book. It is in subsequent interviews. It's it's an official thing. Vince then laid out a series of matches, something like four or five matches that would happen between Brett and Sean that would see Sean win in every every case. There was a ladder match. There was this match. There was a title match. There was a match where the Hart Foundation would be tied to the corner posts on the outside so they couldn't interfere. And Sean would win every match. And then in the last match, Brett would come out and say, I, I, I'll fight you now on Raw, Sean. If I lose, I quit. And, he, and, then, and then Vince said to him, then you'll get him. And he said, you want what? This is the worst. Uh, you know, you want me to lose to him five times in a row? He goes, this is ridiculous. And he's, he, it was clear that Brett, Brett was seen, you know, Vince was always had to move on. That's why Macho Man went to WCW because Vince said, I don't want you to wrestle anymore. I want you to be on the commentator booth. Macho wanted to wrestle, Mm. but he was pushed Mm, out. Hogan, WrestleMania 8 was his last match at that time. Hogan didn't want to retire. Vince had said, look, I've got to look to the future. You're old old now. And that's what Vince had to to do to keep things fresh. And Brett was now on that that pile of, you're you're done, bro. You know, I've got, Sean is, Mm. is my guy right now. And even beyond that, Steve is the guy. And it was mm. a case of you're done. And, and Brett found that difficult, as anybody would. And the biggest misconception, I, you know, when people, because it is still a very divisive question. And the question is fair in terms of should Brett, who was Brett. in the wrong? Yeah, who was in the wrong? Because Brett was mm. leaving. The tradition is you do, you do the job. 
and I totally get it. But Sean A has already reneged on it, and hmm. B, I'm. Th- there was a, a lot of people say oh, Brett didn't want to lose in Canada. It has nothing to do with Canada. He says it in the, the documentary. When Vince said to him, you're losing to Sean at Survivor Series, Brett went to him and said, I don't have a problem losing to you. I want you to know that. And he shook his hand. And Sean said, I want you to know that if it was the other way around, I wouldn't do the same for you. That's why oh, yeah, Brett said, said I'm not dropping the belt. That was that specific <laughs> yeah. reason. Is why said, I'm not doing it. And yeah, he said that you'd like, yeah. I'll... I'll... I'll be a professional and I'll, I'll, you know, you can never, you won't get hurt in the ring with me. Something yeah. like that was what Brett said. And, and Sean was like, yeah, if the roles are reversed, I, I can't say I'd do the same. It's like, whoa, so you're saying you legitimately hurt this guy in the ring. What the fuck? Yeah, like, but I, I've heard variations of that have also been when, oh, right. in that where okay. Brett had said, I don't have a problem dropping the belt to you. He also oh, okay, said right. that. And in, the, in that dark side of the ring, he doesn't actually say that he said that, but in his book and other wrestlers were there. And he said, I don't have a problem dropping the belt to you. And Sean said, I wouldn't do the same right. for you. There is a, if, if for anyone interested in the Montreal thing, Jericho has a podcast. I think it was like maybe the 20 year anniversary where he and Dave Meltzer, it is the most definitive rundown of it. They pull every source. They put everything together. It's really long, but it's brilliant. And even Jericho, okay. when they got to that point, Jericho said, if someone told me that I wouldn't lose to them either. I would refuse mm. To, to do the job so I always get when people say it's Brett's fault he was leaving he should have done it but there's so much to say you know the only other thing that the, the Montreal that the documentary didn't say is that Brett had said uh put me in the ring with Undertaker I'll drop it to yeah. him put me in there with Steve just, I'll drop it to him he had said it and just, Vince refused why would you refuse? I was just about to say, I was just about to say that because I was watching um, I saw a link to um, Undertaker talking to Pete Rosenberg. Like this is after he he'd, he'd retired, mm. and he was talking about the Montreal Screw Job. And he was saying, if I'd have known a bit more about what was going on, you know, or the difficulties that they would have sorting it out, he would have stepped up. Like he he said, he didn't understand why the, the thing that could have averted all of this madness was get Brett to drop the belt to him. Mm. at Survivor Series. And then the next night, I would have been happy to drop it to Sean. And then you would have had, you wouldn't have had any of this madness. You know, everyone, you know, no one's pride would have been hurt. The title would have been on the person that you wanted it to be on, et cetera, et cetera. But for some some reason, no one thought of that because he was actually involved in their story. Actually, no, Brett did think of that. He pitched Undertaker and and it was rejected. Why no one went for it, I mean. Yeah, Mm, why no one went for it, sorry. On that, can I, one question in mind. So Hmm. did do you think because Brett was leaving and Vince was butt sore about it is why he put him in the program with Shawn Michaels because and insisted on him dropping the belt to Michaels because he was being an asshole? Or do you think that... No, well, Brett, I don't think Vince was butt sore about it. I think Brett wanted to stay. It was Vince who said, I can't honor your contract because he was getting, what was it, 2 million or 1 million or whatever it was. Uh, it was um, 1. 1.5 million a year right. for 20 years. And he and then Vince, he looked, and then they looked know, at the box and went, no, nah, I can't afford that. <laughs> yeah, but it, for Brett, it wasn't really about that. It was a case of, okay, let's talk. What, what's your plan for me? This is the plan you'll lose to Sean if you stay. And it was a case of, not just in one match, but it was a case of, here, here's me outlining your pl- you for the next year, which is you just dying to Sean. 
So Brett was like, well, you, what am I staying for? I'm, I'm staying to be put out to pasture. That was, and that's, it. so I don't think he, Vince was say, but sore about it, to be honest. I, I don't think Vince would have really maybe a bit cold to say, but I don't, I, I think he was, he knew that they couldn't coexist. He knew he had to pick. And I think he picked, um, he picked Sean as a result. Sean at that point was, was absolutely the future. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I don't think it, it was determined on that at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot of things. I mean, it's, it's, I, this is a really fascinating, um, nexus point in, in the whole of professional wrestling, I think, because, yeah, absolutely. because of this one, not this one event, but like the series of events happened around it. Like it, it shifted so many things, you know, imagine if they, you know, if they'd have figured out a way to, you know, not have to screw Brett and Brett had gone to WCW and they'd actually handled him. Well, I mean, it's debatable about whether they would have handled him properly because they were starting to, they were starting to implode from that, from that early stage already anyway. Um, but, you know, if they hadn't done that, we would have never seen the Mr. McMahon character. And then if we hadn't seen the Mr. McMahon character, would Steve Austin have been as big as he was? Maybe not, because, you know, the reason why he got so big is because the two of them working in unison were, you know, was just the greatest thing ever. Um, so, you know, it's it's just a really fascinating next point. One thing I, I meant to actually ask earlier, because we kind of started barreling on, the and to go back to my negative part of this whole thing, the Russo versus um, Cornette thing about who came up with the idea. Who do you believe in that story, Imran? Oh gosh, I, I I thought it was funny that they were arguing over it. I thought you'd be arguing saying it was the other guy, not you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I thought this, that is, was- this is this is why I find it interesting, and I I, I as much as. I don't know which one I despise more, Russo or Cornette, but <laughs> I I actually feel like it's probably more likely to be Russo because I I, I can't like you say you'd your mentality would be if it if it you did come up with that idea you wouldn't necessarily be quick to admit hey I came up with this idea that pretty much like pissed off a shitload of people and mm. caused one of the worst moments in almost controversial moments in wrestling history. But I feel like Russo is probably telling the truth and Cornette's just saying it to piss off Russo <laughs> or trying to claim it to piss off Russo, especially when he's talking about <laughs> the history and all the rest of it. Do you know what I mean? Like it feel like Cornette feels to me like someone that will literally say or do anything as long as it pissed off Russo in some sort of way or discredited Russo in some sort of way. Um, it's a horrific uh, the, the way he you know he's been talking about Russo for years it's the like it's the worst stuff you could say to yeah. someone isn't it like it's some it's horrific, outlandish but... shit he comes out with I'm just like damn yeah yeah <clears throat> but um, I don't know who... I have a different take on it I think mm-hmm. that they both came up with similar ideas as in mm-hmm. they 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 brainstormed a way for um Sean to 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 win the belt with hmm. with with without Brett's consent, and obviously they they talked about different ideas, and and I guess when when you're in a conversation like that, you probably you you might have both talked about 
different elements. That, but you're talking elements, about the same idea. Yeah, you almost kind of yeah. the same idea from slightly different angles. And then what actually became was a kind of composite of those two opinions. But I, I absolutely mm. agree that, um, you know, Cornette is probably just, he, he's, he's taking full credit of it. A, because he's an egotistical twat. But B, yeah. because I think he wants to destroy Russo as much as possible. Yeah. Um, I lean more towards Russo on this one than I do him, to yeah. be honest. I think that sums it up, right? I was just going to say, I think that sums it up. Cornet just wants to destroy Russo <laughs> in any way, shape or form. It's Come, such a sorry, weird man. thing for Brett to, to do, though, it, like to just say, they're going to screw me, they're going to screw me. I know, you put me in the sharpshooter, and then it's like, well, hang on, why would you allow yourself to be put in that hold? It's such a bizarre well, thing to have like uh, put you, you in a submission hold. And... Did you even see that Sean was putting it on wrong and he actually yeah, yeah, had yeah. to adjust his foot yeah, to help him, him put it, it on? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be the master of my own demise. Yeah, it, well, it, yeah. it was. It's such a bizarre thing to have allowed to happen because that was apparently from, again, what reports have been, is that that was a planned spot. That was the end. So what was supposed to happen is Brett, as he does, he's supposed to reverse it put Sean mm. in the hold and then Hunter and China are supposed to run down to break it up. Well, they beat up on Brett and then Owen and Bulldog come down and it's just the big brawl and the hearts are in the ring. Basically, no contest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's how it was supposed to end. So what I just, if you know it's going to happen and you're saying they're going to do this to me, why would you agree to that part of the match? You know, it's kind of, so I at guess... the end of the match, you put me in the sharpshooter. Well, that's the end of the match then you've just written it. It's such a bizarre thing. I, to get, to I guess maybe does that play into Brett's innate? I mean, as much as he didn't trust them, he probably. I do wonder if he still had some semblance of. I don't trust them, but they wouldn't do something like that, surely. Mm. Like that, a little bit of that naivety based on his own level of respect for the business. Yeah, maybe. And, it, and yeah, yeah. you know, based on his own morals. Like he know, like he knows it's a bad situation. He knows, you know, he he's got his like, you know, his radars up, and he is kind of hyper aware that something's not quite right. But he's probably still because of his own moral base. He's probably thinking that nah, these guys are all about the business, and you know they will, you know, they'll be professional, and we'll get through this, and they won't fuck, you know. But then conversely. Maybe that's why at the end of the match he didn't look surprised because it happened and it's like, uh, okay, so yeah, you actually yeah. did the thing that I thought. And it's kind of, because yeah. if you look at his face, it's kind of a, res- a resignation of, okay, yeah, you, yeah, you got me kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's how I took that that expression. Yeah. I remember yeah. watching that match. Did you guys watch it like when it happened? Yeah. 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 I, 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 yeah I remember watching it live and I remember thinking like I, I had heard you know, beforehand you've heard the rumors that it, he's leaving and I remember thinking please let this be a work please because I'm like <laughs> I've never watched the match with more stakes because so I'm thinking if Brett wins this he's staying is this just like a big work you know and it's like if yeah. you lose then you're leaving you know and I remember just thinking like please don't don't lose this match and then it went the way it didn't I remember being I very confused because I don't think they sh- I think they didn't show they didn't show him especially in the place did they I think they cut on the yeah, feed that I was watching, because I'm, yeah, because I, because I, I, I would have been watching on Sky because we had Sky at our place, and I'm pretty sure I remember, like it happening, and then being really confused because, 
there wasn't really a celebration or anything like that. And because it was the last match, you literally just saw Sean get the belt and leave. And I was like, wait, what? And then it all kind of descended into this weird melee of, you know, Vince was there, and but obviously Vince wasn't Vince. It was just like, uh, well, yeah, he was just like, I, I guess in my head, he was just like a commentator or whatever at the time. But yeah. there was, it, it just felt like there was this confusing melee. And then, uh, and I didn't actually see him spit, but I saw him standing, like looking at the, like looking over the ropes at Vince. I don't, I don't yeah. think I re- realized he was looking at Vince. And then I'm sure like the feed cut, because I only found out about him smashing the place up and him spitting on Vince and that like years and years down the road. Like I didn't, I didn't know anything about all that stuff. And then obviously, you know, saw Vince come out with a black eye and that afterwards. There, mm. there was actually, there was a really interesting thing about, <laughs> for some reason there was contro- not controversy but two conflicting stories about how Vince got the black eye around okay. l- like um, Undertaker was saying that oh, he he didn't actually see when Brett hit him because in the documentary Brett was saying that he gave him an uppercut which launched him off his feet and sent him spiralling back but then Undertaker was saying well what I, what I saw him hit was like a kind of looping right hook and then Vince stumbled over someone else's foot and fell over. So I don't know if Brett's, Brett's kind of embellishing a bit on his own and his uh, his boxing prowess. And also, I don't understand how you, how you give someone a black eye with an uppercut. That doesn't well, make any sense. And the fact oh. he was butt naked. Like, I never heard that. I don't, I'd heard all these, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all these kind of eyewitness stories, but you, I didn't realise he was if standing you, there if you, in the niche. If you're going <clears> to <throat> kick, kick Vince McMahon's ass, do it naked. That's, 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 like, that's the only way I'd want to do it. Is it's there, is there any part of you guys? Actually, I'm kind of I'm interested, I'm interested because it is a, it's still a, it's a very divisive sort of question. But is there any part of you that thinks, look, whatever Let's happened happened? Yeah, or 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 more specifically, Brett was leaving. He should have dropped the belt. That's it. That's the that's the prevailing thought, and that's a very fair prevailing thought. But is there any part of you guys that think yes? You know, he should have done it because there's so much of it just seems avoidable, you know, and it was just such an yeah, insane th- thing to have happened. I and I just don't me, get how it got to this point. For me, that's the key. I think, I don't think it's necessarily the fault of any one person. I, you know, I think that, you know, they, they could have come up with a solution where, you know, everyone's egos could have been saved because there's a lot, you know, you got a lot, you, you got four dudes, sorry, three dudes with big egos one who's got the fate of his company resting on his shoulders. You know, I have some sympathy for for Vince, um, believe it or not, because, you know, they were getting their ass kicked regularly. You're losing one of your top guys to the the competition. You know, you've got this awkward situation where he's also got the title and he's going to be leaving. You've had a previous champion rock up on your competition show and dump your title in the bin. You know, if something like that had happened, that... WWE would have been finished. Like, there would have been a complete laughing stock. Um, people would have probably started turning off the products, you know, all of, all of that stuff. And then, you would, and then you know, you wouldn't have had the Vince McMahon, Steve Austin thing to save the company because that is, yeah. in large part, what, what saved WWE yeah, yeah. Uh, and, introduce, and introduced the Attitude Era. So, you know, WWE could very well have completely gone under and we'd be in a very different world right now. Mm. Um so I have a, I have some sympathy for Vince, but conversely, you know, he went back on his word. You know, he came up with some daft ideas. 
some really badly informed ideas that he came up with to try and remedy the situation. Sean was obviously being Sean. So, so yeah, I, I don't think there's necessarily, I think there's enough blame to go around in all parts. You know, Brett's not completely free of, um, free of uh, blame for, for, yeah. for all of this as well. So um, yeah, but you know, again, when you've got successful people at the top of their field, trying to, trying to, you know, in a, in a field that promotes or rewards big egos, you know, you're going to get problems when those egos clash, right? Mm. What about you, Dan? Is there any part of you that, that if you had to lay blame on, you know, whether Brett should have left, you know, with having to drop the title or was he right to kind of stick to his guns? And you've now got to say Brett screwed Brett in the, in the voice of Vince. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not going to say that. Um, I think... <laughs> <laughs> I think the the, the problem is um, no, nothing surprises me with Vince McMahon, uh, and has ever surprised me. He the guy is a absolute sociopath. But I think <laughs> at, at this point in in history, there's no reason he couldn't have just let Brett drop the belt to someone else to take her uh, to Steve. And if if he really was that high on Shawn Michaels, he could have just, they could have won it back the next week. For him mm-hmm. to really kind of bludgeon uh, Brett with, uh, you know, essentially a, a program with a guy that he knows Brett hates, he knows Brett isn't going to drop the title to, even though, you know, I, I totally get why... Brett being as obstinate and difficult as he was, you know, ultimately he didn't, it wasn't his decision, as Imran said, to leave. So it's not as if he he was saying to WWF, you know what, screw you, I want more money, I'm out of here, I want, you know, um, you know, I want to go to WCW. He, he didn't. Um, so I feel like because of that, because... Essentially, Vince didn't want to honour that contract, which he'd signed, which probably legally, if Brett had pushed it, he probably could have got him to honour it because, I don't know, it's a contract, Mm. isn't it? Yeah, but the contract also entitled Brett to creative control over his last 60 days. Yeah, absolutely. Reasonable, reasonable creative control. So he he could have sued the hell out of him. Yeah, Mm. and and that in itself just, just kind of nails it. So... It's very hard to, you know, for, for Vince to kind of stick with this. No, no, no. You, you've got to lose um, to the, the guy who, you know, as as you said, Imran, um, Shawn Michaels' ascendancy uh, sped up um, Brett's. Is it d- descendancy? No, there's not so <laughs> descent. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no such word as descendancy, I don't know. It should be. But yeah, it, it kind of sped up his demise in in at the top of WWF. But ultimately it feels as though it, it was more to do with you know what Vince was doing, what you know, I, I guess it's not his fault because of what what was happening with WCW and I take take your point, uh TJ, with uh the the belt being taken 
away mm. and trashed on WCW, the Women's Championship. I get all that, but I feel like what, what Imran says is, you know, this could have been quite easily avoided. It, it didn't need to get that far. In fact, I think you said that as well, TJ. So mm. I think it's very difficult to put blame in, in any one court. But if I, if, if, if I was forced to, I would put it more on Vince than I do Brett. Hmm. I'll give I'll give a shout out <clears throat> shout out as well. Um, not for Blake, obviously. Um, the bits with El Hebner because that was the first time I think you said Dan as well. It's the first time I'd heard anything from El Hebner on the thing. I felt so bad, I felt so bad for this guy because obviously, like you know, he'd worked with Brett for ages and wrestled uh, wrestled uh, refed lots of his matches and stuff. And there was obviously you know a connection there. Brett often asked for him to ref his matches and. Um, and you know, and he promised the guy that he wouldn't do anything, and then at that last second, got told to to fuck him over. And it's like your job's on the line, all that kind of stuff. It's like that's horrible, mm. man. Horrible thing to have to go through. Yeah, he swore on his yeah. kid's life as well. My God, that he wouldn't. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just, just but then tell also, me. but then also yeah. threatening. Your like your livelihood, which affects yeah, yeah. your like uh horrible. Yeah, yeah. Wrestling the GA yeah. who you who who uh gotta love it. Mm. <laughs> now forever and whatever it is, is it the start of this? <laughs> um cool. Alright, any other thoughts around Imran? That was that was quite a quite a subdued rant from you. No, yeah, yeah it's quite- the, the thing that makes me the, the the reason that I kind of can get ranty about it is is the misconception of people is like sometimes you'll hear it online or whatever where people say oh in 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 response to this people say oh Brett it's Brett's fault because he didn't want to lose in Canada and it's like Canada has nothing mm-hmm. to do with it like at all there's mm-hmm. nothing at all to do with it and it's just it's I think I get mad at like Brett because Brett has allowed it to define him. You know, I always imagine like Brett yeah, could be never, running. I feel, I've always felt like he'd never let it go. He'd never, and yeah, and it's like the fact that he's on the documentary and Sean isn't. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like he, you could, you know, just ask. You could stop him at any point, at anywhere, and say, "Brett, let's talk Montreal." And he'll say, "Yeah, they screwed me, those guys." And it's like you've got to, you know, not let it go because I, I think it would be impossible to do it. But you know, I just wish he could have seen the impact it was having on his legacy as such, because it was what defined him for a really long time. And as a fan of what he had done for how many years it was, that's what was very sad. And it, to see Sean continue to rise to prominency while Brett had, you know, his career ended that night, really, you know, and I I think, I think that's, I think that's the key, right? Like, I I think it's easy for us to sit, sit here and say, you know, let it go, let it go. But, up until that point when he felt almost forced into signing a contract with WCW because WWF weren't doing anything for him. Like his career was, you know, he'd been WWF champion, you know, leader of the company, uh, you know, amazing career, making good money, you know, wrestling great matches, all that good stuff. And he's essentially been forced out of the company by, you know, through the various things, but probably if you want to put a face on it by Vince and Sean and, you know, and then the, the screw job, the night, the screw job itself, that's the culmination of all of those things that went into it. And that was his yeah. last time at WW at WWF. 
And then everything from there is just all downhill. You know, it goes to WCW. You know, they don't utilize the foot. They want to come in and referee a match, which is like, what? Um, You know, and then he he gets, and then he gets kicked in the head by, um, I said Goldust there, Goldberg. Goldberg. <clears throat> which which Goldberg, effectively yeah. ends his career, um, yeah. you know. So the stroke soon <clears throat> after that, his brother dies. Stroke soon after that, yeah, yeah, exactly. So all of the, all of those things seemingly, you know, happened, and you know, and you know, his brother dying. If he'd have still been at WWF, would he, you know, would Owen have felt the need to do that gimmick? Mm. You know, maybe no one could like ever that verify way. it. Yeah, <clears throat> no, no, yeah. for sure. But I mean, you know, those things have got to be weighing on his mind. Like he must be saying to himself, "If I was there, I would have never let Owen do that." Wait, or that's exactly. I, like, I was going to say, ever... no one could verify what would have happened. But he has always said, like when he oh, yeah. heard what the stunt was, he said he never would have. He would have said, "This is crazy. Don't do it. You it's don't crazy, need yeah. to do this." And so it's, it, <clears> you're right. This, it it is a milestone this. moment. Uh, what what happened mm. that night and in everything that it went on to to kind of spawn and and it did change each of their kind of lives and careers and in hugely different ways and I, what makes me bitter is that brett the descent that it went you know kind of all mm-hmm. the way down from that point career wise uh yeah it's as a fan it's just been very heartbreaking about it and um uh yeah so it is uh, yeah it's very sad from that perspective i think i think one one point we've not really spoken about is you know he he I think kayfabe was already fairly broken at that point, but he really did kill it, especially with all the interviews that he did afterwards. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not really, I'm not trying to, you know, rage against him for doing that. But do you feel like he'd given up? He'd given up by that point, though. And that was his, that was his, you know, that was his, sign of giving up on everything that he held dear about wrestling. Possibly, possibly. Mm. I mean, it's just very sad. I mean, I think, you know, he, he really did, you know, he get, he got screwed over by WCW, but as, as a man said, I think his, his career, career had been uh, kind of almost destroyed by that, by that one moment. And Brett did let it, define him and everything mm. that kind of followed undermined this incredible you know legacy um of of him and his family so yeah, yeah. i think it, it, it's kind of difficult to take i mean i think kayfabe needed breaking i'm quite quite glad that what 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 it actually gave birth to with the mr mcmahon character with you know with the attitude era and with with just wrestling changed forever because they broke the fourth wall, um, you know, something happened which was unscripted and they announced and drew incredible heat and and put a magnifying glass over the fact it wasn't scripted, which obviously then, you know, everyone knew, oh, so everything else is completely scripted and planned and meticulously Mm. rehearsed and it just completely blew the whole thing open, even though, I don't know, you have to be... uh, a complete imbecile to to not realize that in the first place, <laughs> but to expose it in the way it did was uh, yeah, it it did change. I think it actually changed the wrestling industry for the better. It's just very sad that you know it 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 did so much damage to someone who was you know who elevated. He he actually elevated the wrestling industry because let's not forget if there was no 
um, Bret Hart, there wouldn't have been a Shawn Michaels because yeah. Vince loves his big sweaty men, as we've gone on about in many other yeah. podcasts. And these were the first. True. Yeah, the first. I mean, I know Macho, you know, Randy Savage wasn't a big guy, but, you know, I, I think him and um, Sean, they're more, they're, they're far more kind of modern, Matt, technical wrestlers. Mm. You know, it, it's not all just about two or three power moves, you know, the the Goldbergs mm. of this world, even, even all the, all the, all the high flying style that Sean had as well. Like that. that exactly, sort of stuff yeah. Was, yeah. I think, I think they actually complemented each other in the ring. They, they, they brought the best Big out time. of each other. It was just so sad that they, they didn't get on because they, mm. they couldn't coexist. But I think, you know, if, if you look at wrestlers, you know, such as um, Adam Cole, Finn Balor, you know, the, the list short, uh, Seth Rollins, there, there, there's, there's so many wrestlers who who aren't you know six foot ten behemoths who hmm. who have about three moves and and it's it's because you know these two guys and Brett was the pioneer of that that opened it up that that showed Vince that showed that WWF back then could be led by someone who wasn't just an enormous you know, roid infused powerhouse who mm. who you know who who did vitamins, not, not roids. <laughs> exactly. And vitamins I, and prayers. <laughs> and, and and it's quite sad because, you know, that that is one hell of a legacy and I don't think there aren't many other wrestlers who can turn around and say, you know, I I redefined the sport both in good and bad ways. Yeah, amazing. Amazingly put man. Cool. All right. Um, cool, yeah. So two great episodes, definitely worth checking out. All these episodes that uh, of the Dark Side of Ring, I think the first two seasons uh, are available on all four. Um, if you're in the UK, and I have no idea where, if you're not in the UK, but um, yeah, uh, highly um, recommended to watch them. Very informative, and uh, I think that's it. All done, gentlemen. Awesome. Thank you, gang. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Excellent. Thanks for joining us, people. Um, and we'll speak to you next time. Take care. Bye. Thanks a lot. <laughs>